All right. Well, hey guys, sorry that I'm not with y'all tonight. Uh, I'm teaching up at the Tyler campus and uh, this is the best way that I could get tonight covered. Uh, so hopefully this will still work for you. Um, we'll be talking about uh, Psalm 23 verse 5. So if you want to go ahead and open up your copy of God's Word there, you can. Um, we'll start out just like we have uh, every other night, um, reading through the whole psalm. And then uh, we'll just uh, continue on with our discussion. So let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that even though I'm not there tonight, that we can still join together. Uh, thank you for the uh, things that you give us to, to just allow us to be able to do things in new ways. And technology is a, a great gift when used wisely. Lord, we pray that you will uh, bless the time that we have together tonight and just to help us to understand Psalm 23.5 even better. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, reading from Psalm 23, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I will fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. All right, Psalm 23. What a great psalm. Um, let's talk about uh, verse 5. But first, before we get to kind of the meat of the lesson, I want to give you just a few introductory comments on the verse. Um, generally, commentators think that the shepherd imagery ends in verse 4. Um, so it talks about, um, walking through the valley of the shadow of death and fearing no evil for your rod and your staff comfort me. Um, a lot of people think that that's kind of where the shepherd imagery stops. Um, but then there's others that, that think differently. Some believe that um, the shepherd motif continues with a table referring to the upland mesas, uh, the grazing grounds in mountainous regions. So um, just a kind of a high flat area or pretty much flat area where there would be grass and plenty of places for the sheep to graze. So um, really, either way, it, it doesn't matter a whole lot because the meanings are very similar, uh, whichever way you take it. So uh, we'll just kind of talk a little bit about both of those uh, tonight as we uh, keep going. And so to talk about this first part, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Um, preparing a table requires advanced thought about the needs of the honored guests. Uh, so whether it's a, a sheep uh, that the shepherd's preparing for or a guest at a banquet table that the uh, king or whoever is preparing for, um, it requires advanced thought about the needs of that guest. And uh, for example, in Keller's book on shepherding sheep, it talks about how whenever he would go up to these upland mesas, these high areas to prepare to bring his sheep up there, he might have to go two or three times um, to prepare for his sheep arriving. So he would have to take minerals and stuff like that up there for them to eat off of and, and to uh, get those minerals. He would have to go up and clean out some of the water reservoirs so that they would be clean. He would have to look for poisonous plants so that he could uh, prepare uh, the, the grass for them to graze without getting those poisonous uh, plants and grasses in their system. So he would have to advance in advance plan for those things. Um, so either way you look at this, a preparing of a table requires advanced thought about the needs of that guest. And in Ephesians 2, it shows us how God has thought out long before we even were created what he wants for us, what the best is for us. And so Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. 
So the good that God has for us and that God has planned for us here in this life is not something that he's coming up with on the spot. Uh, It's something that he in advance has thought about, has prepared about. So we can know without a doubt that our shepherd has his best in mind for us. Um, And that not just have it in mind, but he is taking steps to make sure that our best can come about. And so we as his sheep need to be willing to follow the shepherd because we know that um, he is preparing for us and he has thought it out in advance. Um, Our shepherd knows what we need and he knows what we don't need. So the shepherd is not just somebody who prepares good things for his sheep, but he's also one who tries to uh, alleviate or get rid of the bad things. So our shepherd knows exactly what we need and he knows what we don't need. Um, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is talking about not worrying about the things that, uh, the world worries about. Um, and he says, therefore, uh, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing. And then dropping down to verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so our shepherd knows what we need and he also knows what we don't need. So if we will just trust the Lord, he will take us to those places. He will prepare that table before us and he'll prepare the best things for us. Um, Whether that's a uh, a, a, some sort of physical need or some sort of emotional or mental need or spiritual need. God knows exactly what we need and he'll prepare that for us and, and provide it for us if we will just trust him. So our shepherd knows uh, exactly what we need. He'll also help us to avoid those things we don't. As we go uh, about our daily life, we've kind of talked about this some already whenever we talked about um, God uh, being providing green pastures for us to lay down in, that we had to be free from fear. Um, But again, it kind of comes up in this situation as well. So we face many spiritual enemies and snares all around us. Some are obvious while some are subtle. So if you think about a field full of green grass, well, there's going to be some obvious enemies, you know, that might be those mountain lions or something for the sheep hiding in the, you know, up on the mountaintops or hiding in the bushes or something. We know that those things are very, very obviously dangerous. But then sometimes there's some subtle differences, some subtle dangers that we have to be aware of. Uh, for example, you know, we'll be walking through the woods sometimes with our kids and they'll see little red berries on, on plants and, and they'll say, oh, are those good berries? And we'll say, no, you can't eat those berries. Um, and so you have to be careful about, you know, some of the things that are subtle dangers versus obvious dangers. Uh, but the scripture talks about Satan in both ways. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, in their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so this shows the subtle, subtle ways that Satan can blind us from the truth of God's word and, and even paint it in such a way where it looks like if we follow God's word, we're actually being hateful. Uh, one clear example is this weekend, uh, the United Methodist Church had their annual conference. And uh, for three years, they have been leading up to this weekend to talk about and decide on what their viewpoint would be on homosexuality within the church. And so they've been talking about, um, will we accept homosexual members? Uh, Will we allow for the ordaining of gay clergy uh, and perform uh, gay weddings? And so that was the topic this weekend. And if you watched and listened to some of the language around that, it was the, the people who were pro uh, gay marriage uh, made it seem like if you didn't vote for 
gay marriage within the church and gay ordaining of clergy, that you did not love them, that you had a hatred within them, uh, within yourself for them. And that's just a certain type of rhetoric that people in that viewpoint, and, and I'll, I'll say I think they honestly come from it from their understanding of what it, what it means to be not pro-gay. Um, but they say that if you don't you know, if you don't think the way we do, then you don't love gay people. You don't love people of that lifestyle. Well, that's actually a completely contrary to what we believe. Uh, we absolutely do love people who are in that lifestyle or people who are in any sinful lifestyle. But that doesn't mean that we accept it. Um, the, the, the subtle danger is to accept a narrative that says, if you don't accept everything about us, then you hate us. Or if you don't accept everything about the person that is involved in sin A or sin B or sin C, then you hate that person or you don't love that person. And the opposite is true. God loves us perfectly, but he does not love our sin, and he doesn't accept our sin. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross to die to replace our sin, to be a replacement for us and to take our sins away. And so there's subtle ways that the world will, and Satan will try to uh, – uh, come into our, our life and into our um, our area. Then there's also some ways that are very obvious. First Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. So sometimes Satan isn't subtle at all. He roars like a lion. You know he's there. And uh, very often he roars in this area so that you'll be scared and you'll run into this area of sin. And so uh, we have to make sure that we are aware of the lions that are obvious. We have to be aware of the subtle sins that Satan tries to send our way and continue to run to our shepherd, stay close to our shepherd um, so uh, we, can be, uh, we can be safe. Um, so whenever we're aware of those uh, dangers, um, we also need to be aware that whenever we're at the table of the shepherd, he is responsible for our safety. When at the table of a king, he guarantees the safety of his guests. And so... Um, if we will stay close to the Lord, he guarantees our safety. Now, that doesn't mean that he guarantees that we will never experience harm. We will never experience struggle or sorrow in our life. Uh, it doesn't mean that even that our physical life is not at risk. Because if you ask our brothers and sisters around the world, they know very, very well that physical life is not a guarantee uh, of our shepherd. Uh, that he does not guarantee our physical life will be secure for the dangers of the world because there are people that die daily for their Christian faith. Yet we do know that ultimately our eternal life is secure in Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, whatever we face, we know that the shepherd is the one who goes through the valley with us so that we can fear no danger. Romans 8.31 says, What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? And, and Paul's uh, question there is not to say that there's no one against us. It just means that there's no one of any consequence, no one with any greater power or ability than God who is against us. God will always have victory. One thing that is comforting to know about our shepherd is that our shepherd has done the impossible. He became a sheep so that he could be the savior of the sheep. Now listen, this is something that no other shepherd, no real shepherd could ever do. If I'm a shepherd, I can't become a sheep so that I can lead the sheep. Uh, if I'm a uh, somebody who owns cattle. I can't become a cow or a bull and lead the uh, cows to greener pastures or anything like that. I can't become what I'm trying to uh, lead when we're talking about animals. Um, however, our God, who is the God of the universe, the eternal God, 
literally left behind some of his uh, divinity or masked some of his divinity and he put on the flesh of mankind so that he could be one of us so that he could experience life like one of us hebrews says that he, in every way he was tempted just as we were yet without sin and so he became one of us so that he could be the sacrifice for us and lead us to the father philippians 2 talks about this it says adopt the same attitude as that of christ jesus who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had become as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And so um, the way that we need to realize this is that Jesus didn't leave his divinity in heaven and become a man. He didn't even leave behind certain attributes of his divinity. Whenever he was here on earth, he was somehow, about, in a way we can't understand, he was 100% man. He was 100% God. So he dealt with the sin and struggle, or the struggles and temptations of being a man, yet he was without sin. But in the same way, he was still 100% God. He be, retained his divine attributes, but he masked those, or he muted those. Just like whenever you are watching TV, you know, you're watching a football game or something like that, and a commercial comes on. You don't want to hear the commercials, and so you mute the sound on the commercials. Well, that doesn't mean that the sound is not still coming in through your satellite dish or through your cable and getting to your TV. That just means that you've turned the sound off. So the sound is still there in your TV, ready to come out, ready to be used and heard. You've just hit mute, and so the sound is not being projected at that point. It's the same way with, with Jesus Christ. He was still all-knowing, uh, all-powerful, had the ability of being present in multiple places, yet he hit mute on those things. And so uh, at certain times, uh, those were not characteristics of the way that he was living. But we still see that at times he still had his uh, omniscience, whenever he was able to perceive what the Pharisees were thinking, whenever he was able to perceive what his disciples were um, uh, we're thinking uh, we can see even a, an aspect of his being at multiple places at multiple times whenever he healed somebody's uh, child even though he wasn't there and so he was able to just project healing and, and send his healing uh, somewhere where he wasn't and so he would hit mute on those characteristics most of the time but there were times where he used that power um, uh, that that was still within him. And so our shepherd became one of us so that he could lead us and lead us to salvation and safety. And so if that is who our shepherd is, one who prepares everything that we need, one who offers protection from the enemies that surround us, one who has loved us so much that he became one of us in order to lead us, then uh, we as wise sheep will stay close to this shepherd. So the wise sheep will stay close to his shepherd because he is the only place of protection. Jesus is the only place of salvation. Anywhere outside of Jesus is false safety. Um, it's something that is going to ultimately let us down. And so we as wise sheep want to stay close to our shepherd, to the place of protection. So James 4, 7 through 8 says, submit ourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So the way that we find our safety and security, that we find salvation, is through submission to the Lord and being close to him, drawing close to him and remaining close to him. And when we do that, we can resist the devil in the name of the Lord, and he will flee from us. That's a promise from Scripture. It doesn't mean that he won't come back or that he won't keep trying to interfere with our life, but in that moment, we can 
find our rest and protection from the Lord. And so our God is the powerful shepherd that we need to stay with. All right, the next portion of that verse uh, it talks about anointing our head with oil. It says, you anoint my head with oil. And so I do, I'm going to kind of break up the two different uh, motifs here as far as being a shepherd motif where he's preparing the table lands for his sheep or whether it's more of like a king preparing a banquet table for an honored guest. And so let's talk about the shepherd motif first of all. Um, so as mentioned when we were talking about lying down in green pastures, pests are an annoyance, especially flies. Um, they will drive a sheep crazy and cause them to be restless. And so the oil on the head keeps these pests away. And so one particular problem of sheep is just flies buzzing around their head. Some of them will even lay uh, eggs in the, on the moist noses. And if their larvae hatch, they can crawl up into the uh, uh, sheep's uh, head and kind of embed themselves and become an irritation and infection for the sheep. And um, so the sheep, when they have these flies buzzing around, will just get restless and in a frenzy, and they um, will uh, not be able to rest or enjoy their, their food that has been provided by the shepherd. And so they would pour oil on the head, and this oil might have some spices mixed into it, olive oil with some different things in there, and that oil would be basically just a, uh, it would shoo all the flies away. The flies would not buzz around because they didn't like that oil. So for us, we have these flies, so to speak, as well. Uh, the cares of the world, sin, uh, sinful thoughts and temptations and problems are annoyances that when left untreated will distract God's people from resting in him. And so, um, man, we just think, just think about all the flies that we have in our life. Um, uh, if you are still in the workplace, you've got all the cares of your job and all the responsibilities that come that way. Maybe even uncertainty at your job. Am I going to be laid off or am I going to be uh, have a, this job in two years or three years or five years? Is there room for me to move up in my job and to get more uh, provision for my family? Uh, if, even if you're retired, is my retirement going to last long? Is my pension ever going to run out? Um, how is my health going to hold up? Is uh, Am I going to be able to stay in my home until I go to be with the Lord? Or am I going to have to go to an assisted living center? Is, am I going to be able to keep my mind and my mental faculties? I mean, these different things are just some, those aren't even sinful. Those are just the cares of the world. And then whenever you work in all the sinful things that we have to be tempted by, um, you know, there are so many things that are pulling at our allegiances, at our concentration, at our focus, um, and they're just buzzing around our head all the time. I think I've mentioned before how it seems like sometimes at night, if there's something big coming up the next day, it's hard for me to get to fall asleep because I'm just running through all the things that have to come up uh, in the following day. And, um, and sometimes even just waking up and being aware of those things and, and not being able to go back to sleep. Uh, so we need to be able to find rest in our shepherd from these cares of the world. And so God pours the soothing oil of the Holy Spirit into our lives to give us peace and to help us focus on the things of God. And so God places within us, whenever we become a believer, he places the Holy Spirit within us. And whenever we tune out the distractions of the world and listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say, the Holy Spirit puts things in our lives like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so those are the fruit of the Spirit within our life. And, you know, you can really highlight that uh, second and third one, peace and patience. Man, peace and patience is something that we are desperately in need of uh, in our world and especially in our uh, lives as men. Um, patience is often something that we are just so struggling with. Patience at 
work, patience with family, patience with uh, the culture that we live in, patience with doctors. And, um, and so we as men, especially as fix-it kind of men who are always wanting to be able to fix something and fix it now, we have to learn to be patient and have the peace of the Spirit within us. Um, and so one of the ways that we uh, can focus on the things of the Lord is uh, found here in Philippians. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Skipping down, he says uh, the next paragraph, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and see in me, and the God of peace will be with you. So just think about those, what it says there, the uh, uh, whatever is true. So we need to dwell on the truth. And that's, you know, going back to the, to the Methodist uh, debate that happened this weekend, um, really this wasn't a debate of love versus not love or uh, same-sex marriage versus uh traditional, what we would call biblical marriage, uh, it really wasn't an issue of those things. It wasn't an issue of love or an issue of marriage. It was an issue of, is God's word true and is it authoritative? Because listen, if God's word is true and if it has authority over every aspect of our life, then the matter of homosexuality is settled. It says it clearly in the Old Testament. It says it clearly in the New Testament. And so we don't have to wonder about it. We just go to God's word and we say, well, God's word is true. Uh, God's word never changes. God's word has authority in my life, so I'm going to live according to God's word. But the thing is, we can we can focus on things like the um, uh, homosexuality and, and gay marriage, and because when it comes right onto it, for those of us in this room and for most of our families, that's not an issue that we want to deal with. But when you start thinking about things like pride in our life, well, Scripture is clear on pride as well. Pride leads to destruction, leads to a fall. So why do we allow pride to stay a part of our life? Uh, what about lust? You know, we as men uh, very often struggle with temptations to lust. And so many men, man, did, did you know that about 80%, they say, of men uh, in the United States uh, struggle in some way with pornography? That's a staggering number. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure that's the most extreme statistic, but still, even if it is extreme, even if the statistic was 50%, um, that is a that is a huge struggle um, and a huge problem for men, and these numbers aren't a whole lot of different in the church. And so if God's word is true, and if it's authoritative, then why do we still entertain the struggles of lust? Because Jesus said clearly that lust was just as sinful as adultery. Maybe the consequences aren't the same, but ultimately the consequences, it will lead to the same consequences. And so we need to realize that that our sin— that we've gotten used to is no better or no worse than the issue around homosexuality. And so whatever is true, whatever is founded on God's word, that's what we need to live by. And so whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, we need to be people who care about justice for ourselves, for those around us and around the world. Uh, whatever is pure, lovely, whatever is commendable and has moral excellence dwell on these things. These are the things that we need to fill our minds with. And yes, there are cares of the world that we have to worry about, we have to deal with, we have to address, but they don't have to consume our thoughts. And so we need to dwell, to be consumed by those things that are true. Um, it's interesting that for 
uh, humans, our heads are the place of influence. Our minds must continually be renewed with the spirit. Um, that's why media is such a big deal in our culture. Uh, whoever controls the media controls in a large way the thinking of the next generation. Um, and so uh, we need to be aware of what's getting put into our minds. Uh, and we can talk about the media, but hey, let's talk about the church and let's talk about our own personal time at home. The things that we fill our minds with at home and in our churches should be the primary things that are influencing our life. And so is our church teaching truth? Uh, I believe that our church does teach truth, but obviously there are churches all around us who aren't standing on the truth of God's word. Otherwise, we wouldn't have uh, conferences like we had this weekend. And so uh, the truth has to be taught in, this, in the church, but also has to be taught in our homes. And so you think about your home. Is the word of God taught clearly and truthfully in your home? Does the shows that we watch on TV teach the truth of God or does it teach a truth of culture? Does the music that we listen to, does it teach the truth? Do the books that we read and that our kids read, do they teach truth or do they teach something else? One thing that's, that's come up this week is just a uh, uh, kind of a, a hot topic is that there are certain YouTube videos uh, geared towards kids that have been found that have suicide instructions embedded in the middle of the YouTube kids uh, video and parents are you know obviously getting uh, upset about this well you know what it's not YouTube's responsibility to teach my kids it's my responsibility and it's my responsibility to screen what's being taught but to my kids by whether it's YouTube or the church or any kind of social media um, even the educational system it's my responsibility as a parent to make sure my kids are getting truth put in their heads and so we as men need to be guardians of our heads, guardians of our minds, and let our minds be filled with what is true to dwell on those things. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And so we don't need to be conformed and, and defined and, and made by this world, but we need to be renewed by God as he makes us who he wants us to be. That word renewing is not something that we do. Uh, it's something that is done for us by some outside source. And we, if you think about it, renewal is always a passive experience for the object being renewed. Our library book can't go renew itself. Back in the day when we had VHS tapes and DVDs from the movie store, you can't renew that yourself. Uh, a piece of furniture that is being restored, it cannot renew itself. Something has to act on the outside of it, has to renew it for itself. It's the same way with us. We cannot renew ourselves. Our renewal comes about as the Spirit transforms our minds and makes us to be more like Christ. And so um, the, the shepherd does that for us. So time to talk about the table motif as if a king were setting a table before us and in the aspect of anointing with oil. The anointing of oil was also a sign of honor. It sets somebody apart as being special. And so God does not merely protect us from our enemies. He elevates us before them to show his special love for us. And so it's not just that God protects us from our enemies, but he shows our enemies that we have victory in him. Uh, that because we are his people, because we are his sheep, we have a special relationship with our God, the shepherd, with our God, the king of kings. And so First Peter uh, in First Peter, he, uh, he talks about this. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. And so this is that idea of pouring the oil over somebody. Listen, David waited out in the pastures tending sheep for years and years and years. And then one day, 
the messenger of the Lord came and said, you are going to be the next king. And he anointed him with oil. Yet that didn't mean that at that very moment that he became king. No, it wasn't until years later that he was actually exalted to the place of uh, the kingdom. And so God, as long as we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the humble, uh, to the mighty hand of God, he will exalt us at the proper time. And listen, for some of us, that exaltation may not come until we enter our eternal glory. Um, and so we have to be willing to accept that fact. Uh, but God will exalt us. He will honor us, uh, even if it's whenever he honors Christ uh, in, the, in the kingdom. Uh, but we are co-heirs with Christ, and we share in his glory. And so uh, our anointing with oil helps to protect us from the enemies, and it shows us our special relationship, shows our enemies our special relationship to our shepherd. Uh, finally, it talks about my cup overflowing, uh, the, the cup overflowing. Uh, our shepherd is never indifferent to our needs. He meets our needs with abundance. And if you think about how God has blessed you in your life, you may not have an abundance of wealth or an abundance of property. Uh, some of you do, and that's fine. But God's abundance comes in the spiritual blessings that he gives us. Um, we, we want to have an abundance of joy in our life, an abundance of contentment in our life, an abundance of satisfaction in the Lord. Uh, we want to have an abundance of influence. You know, uh, years ago, probably about 10 years ago, maybe now, uh, The Prayer of Jabez was a popular book that uh, was written by uh, a guy named Wilkerson or Wilkinson, one or the other. And in that prayer, uh, Jabez asked for God to expand his influence. And what that really uh, was talking about was his expand his area of influence of, around other people uh, to expand his territory. And we should pray for that. We should pray for an abundance of influence around other people, that we would be able to have spiritual influence in other people's lives to lead them to the Lord. God's given me an incredible opportunity uh, just in the last week to uh, just dialogue with uh, a, a a girl, a lady now that I went to high school with, and actually I've known her since elementary school. Um, and, um, and I've known her for a long time. I've known, we've known ever since we were in school together that we just didn't see eye to eye on, on certain things dealing with, with faith and, and issues such as, uh, the marriage and gender and stuff like that. Um, but we've always had a really deep respect for each other. We've been able to dialogue openly with each other. And so she's just began asking me some questions, you know, kind of just pushing, pushing on my thought process and my belief system to try to find out why I believe, why, how I believe. Um, and that is just really cool to me because it gives me a chance just to share with her what I think. I'm not trying to tell her she's, uh, you know, she's a sinner and she's going to burn or something like that. I don't address it that way. I just say, hey, this is what I think. Let me hear from you what you think and let's dialogue. Um, and that's a way that I can speak the truth with love. Uh, into her life or anybody else's life. And so we need to ask for an abundance of influence in people's lives. Uh, Psalm 37, uh, David says this, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. You know, God meets the needs that we have. Um, and, and in the Old Testament, um, the, those who were faithful were always provided for with provisions. And um, in the New Testament, um, that's not the same kind of guarantee. We do know that there are people around the world who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ, and they are just ha having just enough to meet their needs each and every day. Um, and we also have already talked about tonight, there are some people who lose their life today because of their faith in Christ. And so uh, physical 
blessing is not this is not tied to God's blessings in the New Testament like it was in the Old Testament. Uh, in the New Testament, the blessings of the Lord ultimately are eschatological, which means they are at the end of time. They come out in the end, and so we need to trust that God will provide in the end. In John ten ten, Jesus says, "A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come so that they may have life and have it in abundance." And so we need to believe that God wants the best life for us. Not always the cushiest life, but the best life. Abundance for the believer may not look like abundance as defined by the world. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. And so we have to believe that God wants the best for us, that God uh, is going to make our cup run over with his blessings but it's not always going to be the same blessings that we might think of uh, as being blessings. The world has a certain set of things that it considers to be blessed, but God has a different standard. And so we need to accept and love and appreciate and be content with the blessings that God puts in our life, whether they are physical, uh, monetary, spiritual, emotional, mental, relational, uh, all those things are the, can make our cup runneth over. All right, well, let's just kind of wrap this up, talk about the good Forbes, those things that are kind of those applications that we can pull. First one is that we have nothing to fear when God is our shepherd. So we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago, but we have nothing to fear when God is our shepherd. He will give us protection. Ultimately, that protection is our eternal life. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 10 that uh, we are in his hands, we're his sheep, and we can nothing can snatch us out of his hands. We are also in the Father's hands, and nothing can take us out of his hands. So our eternal security is secure. We belong to our shepherd, and nothing can change that. So we have, hopefully, nothing to fear. Secondly, God is sovereign over our enemies and more powerful than any evil. So listen, it doesn't matter what your enemy is. Your enemy may be an actual person. You know, David's enemy was Saul. He was running from Saul very often. So your enemy could very well be a person. Um, our enemy could be a worldview or a mindset that is counter uh, to the, what the Scripture says. Uh, our enemies could be uh, a health enemy or a mental enemy or an emotional enemy. Our enemies are definitely spiritual enemies. We uh, fight spiritual enemies day in and day out. And so we need to realize that there are enemies all around us, and they come in different shapes, sizes, forms. But God is sovereign over every single enemy or struggle or battle or uh, valley or storm that we go through. And so he is sovereign over those things, and he's more powerful. He will bring us through. Even though I walk through the valley of death, I'll fear no evil, for God is with me. And so God is sovereign over those things, and we will make it through one way or another. The indwelling spirit is the third thing. The indwelling spirit is the key to living a life of peace and contentment in God. And so if we want to have the peace of God in us and, and ruling over us, then we have to be in touch with the spirit that is within us um, to allow that spirit to commune between us and between Jesus, our Savior, and to uh, dialogue with the Lord on our behalf. Even in those times when we don't know what to ask for, it says that the spirit groans inwardly for us to communicate to the Lord. So the Spirit is the key to living that life of peace and patience and contentment in the Lord. And then finally, talking about abundance, we've kind of said this multiple times. God doesn't merely supply, He gives abundance. And ultimate abundance is eternal life. And so God doesn't merely supply. He gives us everything that we need, but really when it comes right into it, He gives us more than what we need. 
And that more doesn't always come in the form of money and, and physical uh, blessings, but he always will fill your cup to overflowing with the spiritual goodness of the Lord, with the love of the Lord. If you draw near to God and as he draws near to you, you, will, you can have a continual understanding and realization of the presence and the power of God in your life. Um, and even though we walk through those valleys at times, we can fear no evil because we know that God is with us. And, and when you know that God is with you, there's a sense where you are complete. You know, we, we talk about sometimes how some people think that a spouse will complete them or the right job will complete them or having enough money will complete them. Well, listen, there's only one thing that will complete you. We talk about having a God-shaped hole inside of us. The only thing that fits a God-shaped hole is God. And so as we let God fill us, man, he will just overflow within our life. Um, he will fill us with contentment in all the areas uh, that we have need. So I just want to encourage you as you think about the God being your shepherd, that you find your contentment in him and your satisfaction in him and whatever he provides. Imagine that every single day is a day where he is setting a table before you and whatever food, we'll say food, whatever food he puts on the table is what's best for you that day. And listen, I know that sometimes the food that I eat is not the food that I want to eat. It doesn't taste like some of the things I want to eat. But the food that I eat sometimes just has to be the food that's good for me. Look, sometimes the things that we face with the Lord is not the things we want to face, but it's those things that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Even before the creation of time, he knew what we needed for this day. So let's rejoice in the table that God sets before us and in the way that he provides for us. Well, I hope that you guys were able to stick with me tonight, and I look forward to being back with you next week as we finish up Psalm 23, looking at verse 6. Um, it'll be a good end to our study. So you guys have a great night. Uh, I'm praying for you, and I look forward to seeing you on Sunday and seeing you next week.